This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live Podcast. Real talk about talent acquisition, recruiting, sourcing, and hiring. With the godfather of sourcing. And now, welcome to Shally's Alley. With your host, the legend of legends, the big Bahumi, the salt in your shaker, Shally Steckerl. You're either sourcing or you're not doing your job. Don't worry, your company does need you, and for very important reasons. But if you're a recruiter and you're feeling like you may be made obsolete or that your job's going to be outsourced to an RPO or um, to some offshore company, you need to understand how and why companies' leadership believe that your role has depreciated in value. They don't say that it's worthless, but they say that it's worth less, and that's why they're outsourcing it. And here's why. Your employer has a good reason for thinking that recruiters don't provide any sustainable value. See, senior leadership sees recruiting as a necessary evil. It's a cost of doing business, and it's something that we have to do. It's not something that we want to do or get to do. So to many of them, it's basically a cost center. And to some, it's even a bottomless pit of money where money goes to disappear and they get a bunch of promises that never get delivered. The sooner you realize this is how CEOs see you, the better off you're going to be at connecting the best talent to the top jobs and really proving that you are worth it and you do have value. So for now, go ahead, get angry, throw rocks at me. That's fine. I don't mind. As long as you wake up from your little nap and realize the truth in all this. Let me explain. It's not that you're not important. I know that's a double negative. You are important. You're just not doing your job properly. You're hiding behind the same tired old inbox recruiting procedures where you just wait for candidates to apply to jobs that get posted. Now, part of this was created by the bureaucracy because, you know, we have to post the jobs in order to be compliant. And then we have lots of people that apply for the same job over and over and over again and multiple jobs and candidates that apply for 57 different jobs, some of which they don't even minimally qualify for. So a lot of things led to this point. But the dependence on the ATS and the uh, job posting algorithms and the the job distribution and um, what do they call it now, uh, programmatic advertising and all, all the dependence on that has really marginalized the role of the recruiter, which hadn't evolved very much since the dark ages of the Industrial Revolution. And now LinkedIn has made things an equalizer that provides large volumes of information for both the employer and the job seeker, again, pushing the recruiter a little bit out of the way. So how do we prove our value? It's not that, you know, we need to find resumes because you can get most of the ones you want off of LinkedIn. Yeah, sometimes you need to source people that are not on LinkedIn, and that's where sourcing comes in. But we're not talking about the value of sourcing here. We're talking about the value of recruiting. Why do they need you to push a button in an ATS that goes from, yes, I like the resume, to no, I don't like the resume? Where's the value? Well, here's the value. You need to position yourself within a company by doing some of these things. Conduct a job analysis and define and help the hiring manager define the job specifications. Some of the recs that I get look like they're five or six recs pieced together, copied and pasted. 
And they probably are. And here's another thing. Some of the wrecks are a bunch of things that the person that was doing the job learned how to do on the job. But that was not the requirement when that person got hired. In other words, I hire Ryan as a college graduate. And Ryan starts learning how to do analytics and learns Power BI and learns how to do data visualization. And then he learns how to do robotic process automation. And all of a sudden, he's my big data science guy. And I'm only paying him 24 grand because I hire him right out of college. So he's basically making minimum wage. He realizes this, so he ups and leaves. Now I got a vacancy. And in my job description, I include things like data science and Power BI, and I want to pay 24000 Sound familiar? That's how this happens. This is the forensics of how it happens. You, as a recruiter, need to wake the hiring manager up and make them realize that Ryan didn't come to the job with Power BI and data analytics and data science experience. He gained that experience on the job. If you want to hire someone that has Ryan's experience, you're going to have to pay whatever Ryan's getting paid wherever he went. And since they're not going to give Ryan a raise, he's got to leave to go get that raise, which is unfortunate, but you know that's true. Well, all that means is you either need to hire Ryan back or hire someone that's competitive, and that's not going to be $24,000 a year. So that's the first part. Do a real deep job analysis, define the candidate specifications and the requirements. Number two, get smart about advertising. Recruiters can still advertise. Even though you might have all of this laid out in your programmatic advertising, let me tell you, it's good and programmatic advertising is smart because it helps you spend the right kind of dollars. Gone are the days where, you know, you had to have a million dollars in budget to advertise and the agencies would tell you, well, we're going to spend a million and we know we can get you 5,000 candidates, but we don't know which dollar went to which candidate. We have no idea. So you got to spend the whole million in order to get the 5,000. If you spend less than a million, you won't get any because we have no idea how it works. That doesn't work anymore. Now we know where the dollars go and we know where you put a dollar and get results. But these systems, these robots, they don't always know what's best. They're going to do the best they can with the broadest audience they can and do as much targeting and focus as they can and spend your dollars the most wisely way that they can. That doesn't make any sense, but in the wisest way that they can. But if you know that there's this one group on Facebook where 80% of your hires come from, this programmatic advertising doesn't know that. And if you can grab 300 bucks on your corporate card or your hiring manager's corporate card or from petty cash or whatever, and place one $300 ad on Facebook, you're probably going to get the three candidates that you need. And that's the same, not the same at all as programmatic advertising. So just because the advertising is done for you, don't forget about it. I see a lot of recruiters talk back about how, well, that's not my job. Our ATS does all that. Well, first of all, do you know that for sure? I mean, have you seen the job posted? Some of the recruiters I work with actually write the job description and they're responsible for posting the job but they're still not responsible for advertising it. Once it's posted, then the machine picks it up. Well, what's preventing you from putting that on your LinkedIn or telling your hiring manager to put it on their LinkedIn or telling your hiring manager to tell all their delegates to put it on LinkedIn or buying an ad on LinkedIn for 50 bucks or 100 bucks or 300 bucks if you can even you know, pay for that ad, 50 bucks. So that's number two. Number three, source candidates. 
from competitors directly. Don't forget to network. And number four, do the matchmaking. Really screen candidates. As a sourcer, I may be spending 15, 20 minutes with a candidate, and it's a superficial screen. I'm not doing a deep dive. But as a recruiter, you need to add more value by providing your insights. In my professional experience interviewing hundreds of candidates like this, here's what I think about this candidate and why they match up. You have to fight for your candidates because if all you do is take a resume that the sourcer found with the you know 10 questions as the briefing and you forward that to the hiring manager and the hiring manager doesn't even take a second look at the resume, well, let me just put it this way. Your job is obsolete because I could have done that. I could have forwarded that resume to the hiring manager. I didn't need you to forward something to a hiring manager. You're supposed to go in and do a deep dive and really qualify, and then you're supposed to sell the candidate to the hiring manager. Get on a call with them and tell them why this person, even though on paper they don't look that great, but they check all the boxes. They're Ryan out of college. They're not Ryan six years later. And here's why. Here's why they've got the raw material. And here's what you see and how you observe this person to be. That's your value added. So let me recap. Really deep dive on the job analysis. Define the specifications. Get good at advertising. Targeted, surgical advertising that is just right. And it's micro-advertising. It's hyper-local, very specific advertising. It's not the kind of advertising the machines can do. Number three, do some sourcing. And by the way, while you're at it, maybe even a little networking too. And number four, actually deep dive on the profiles and match your candidates. Be the matchmaker. That's how you demonstrate that you are not obsolete. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.